This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, who are offering a 14-day unlimited access trial for free if you visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. We got a returning guest, but a, re- a returning from the other side of the ocean. I don't know what's happening. She, she used to be in America. Now she's in England, but she is American. But she's our friend. It's April Richardson, everyone. Hey, April. Yay, returning from the ocean. You are. <laughs> emerging with bits of seaweed over you. That's right. sticking out of your side. We switch places. Wait, where are you from in England? Uh, just outside London, oh, okay. London suburbs, northwest. Yeah, I'm in Brighton. Near Watford. Yeah. Oh, you're... that's right. That's where my husband half grew up. He he's Welsh until he was ten, and then they moved to Watford. Oh, I think I knew that. That's right. Yeah. Him, you, and Elton John. That's that's absolutely the case. Elton used to own Watford football team. That's right. I know way too much about that now that yep. I live here. And my first ever job was in the Harlequin Center, which is no longer called the Harlequin Center. Is that but where that's... they used to play or something? No, that's the shopping center in the middle of town. Ah, oh, okay. I worked in the toy department of John Lewis. Oh, I love that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I have been to Watford, and then we went, when Chip was visiting, we went to Pinner. We went on a full, like, EJ tour. <laughs> Everywhere. Oh. And we've also been to, like, Rickmansworth because uh, Andrew Ridgely used to own a nightclub there. Uh, because my, him and George Michael are from Bushy. Yes, you they get are. all this right, Andy. You know, of, co- you of course. I mean, I would chime in, but what's the point? You guys already yeah. know that I know this. Yeah. yeah, and my my oldest friend Richard was taught at kindergarten by Andrew Ridgely's mum. I okay. Can I tell or, you the meanest? Or primary school, some school anyway. This is, I shame martin my husband for this all the time but this is the meanest thing i've ever heard because i love wham who doesn't love wham wham were incredible he was growing up or not even when he was growing up he was probably like 17 or 18 or maybe 16 this is the meanest story i've ever heard in my life him and his friend were like playing in a park or whatever obviously probably playing football um and andrew originally was driving by or like being driven by he was in the back of the car and they saw him and they're like oh my god it's andrew originally so they ran and stood by the curb they, where he knew that they were going to drive by, right? So, and they had written something on a piece of paper, and Martin was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make him think I want his autograph. Like, I'm going to hand it to him oh. and make him think that I want his autograph. And so he drives up, and he rolls his window down, like, oh, my God, totally. It takes a piece of paper from him and goes to sign it and sees that it says, Andrew Ridgely is a cunt. Oh! <laughs> is that not the- meanest thing you've ever oh, heard i would say it's mean but of course we know that means he's a great guy he's a geezer right so, in the parlance of uh, <laughs> i will say later on so it's like and of course martin and his friend like die laughing but then he felt bad like five years later he worked at a record store and wham and he was like oh I'm, that was wrong of me wham is really good i shouldn't have done that <laughs> so yeah that's that's who i married that's great that's uh... <laughs> a lovely man <laughs> But but a man who now has remorse. He does. He does. He That's feels important. bad. Yeah. What has Andrew originally been doing? Is, is he still alive? He's been living his best life. Okay. He's, That's yeah, great. Cashing those, of... cash those checks. <laughs> yeah. So you've been, so you moved to England two years ago now? Are thereabouts? Almost. Yeah. Almost exactly two years ago. Yeah. 
Um, and you, 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 does that mean you had an inside scoop of what was going on in Wuhan? Did you have uh, <laughs> someone well, tip you off? I swear to God, I think the first non-China uh, case was in Bright. I feel like no, it was or very early on. Yeah, because it was a guy who came back. We were watching like the local news and it was a dude who came back from a business trip in Wuhan and was like, and who lived like five streets away from where we used to live and was like, oh yeah, sorry guys, I have it. And we Oops. were like, oh, cool. So Brighton's like the first place to get it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if not the first, it was one of the first because I remember hearing about it like really early on. Yeah. And, it, and it being on local news and like the and, you know, obviously way prior to lock any kind of lockdown, they did close like the one pub that he had gone to and like the one store that one guy had gone to. It was they were doing it on that like micro level of like, oh, we found out he went here, here and here. So we closed these businesses. But did you guys hear about that comedian in the early days of, of, of COVID who uh, like left quarantine early because he was like, fuck this. He just got off his cruise ship in like Washington state. Yeah, because he had a corporate. Right. <laughs> was he the start of it on the West Coast? Whoever that was. I don't. I don't think no, so. But I, I was think like, he spread a, it. But he that'd did be a great story if, he, if if that were the way that it got started in the U.S. That'd be such a stupid and fitting. By the way, I had to check this while we were talking because I I because Andrew originally was was with, but then broke up, but now is back again with Karen Woodward from Bananarama. from Bananarama. That's right. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think they are romantic, still together romantically. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, married. They, but they broke up in 2017, according to Wikipedia, but got back together again at the end of 2019. Yeah. I guess I just assumed that both guys in Wham were gay. I don't know why. But no. Okay. Yep. no, George Michael was just basically, it was like a charity for his best friend. He was like, hey, I'm going to write all these incredible hits. I'm going to do everything and I'll give you royalties from it. What did Andrew actually do in the band? That's, don't, don't say nothing. Let me know when you find out the answer. Oh, no, come on. He sang <laughs> though or not? Pretty? Did he did he sing harmonies? I mean, I guess. Oh. Yeah, I guess he did something. <laughs> yeah, he did the singing, and he did some of the singing, and he did the dancing, and he and he <laughs> the did the looking shorts. good. Yeah. A crazy thing about uh, talking about the start of COVID, though, is that it really is. I can't believe I didn't get it because I. So when it began. Of course, like I live in Brighton, we saw that on the news and I'm like, wow, that's weird. And then it was kind of in that in the beginning where we didn't really know, you know, if it was that serious or anything. I went to the States like I had a bunch of stand up dates. So I flew to the state. You know, I was in San Francisco. I was in Los Angeles. And I remember that when I flew back to England, it was the day that everyone was starting to go, hey, this it was like March, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was like March 15th or something. And I, oh, I, that's and it was, right. Yeah. It was the day that everyone just started going, wait a minute, this might be a real thing. Because I remember Chip took me to LAX and it was crazy empty. And we're like, this is weird. And then I fly into London. And then that night, I went to a show with my friend Grant, like took the tube, went to a crowded concert, took the tube back home to a train back home. Like could not have, unless I was licking handrails, like could not have been more in crowds could not have been i got from a plane to the tube to the train and then the next day is when england was on lockdown like the very next day is when boris johnson's on tv like oh this this is serious shit we're closing everything and i was just like oh i definitely have it like i sat at home for like a week or so going looking at my watch like waiting for the covid and well, got lucky yeah because i because we were yeah because i remember america was a couple of days 
because I remember there was a point when stuff had already started to be shut down here. Like I, I was meant to go to South by Southwest, and that got cancelled. Right. But people, but my friends in England were still, and and the rest of the UK was still posting about shows that they were doing. Yeah, and and I was, I ended up. There's like a UK Facebook um, comedians messaging or group or whatever, and I remember mess like posting on that, going like, "Hey, Brit Comics, just so you know, like everything is about to have to close down." Right. Like you are, everything is closing down, and I'm sorry. You know, you've got all these plans, you've got all these gigs. I'm just telling you, prepare yourself because in a week's time there will be no comedy right and i was felt it? like i felt like the sort of the grinch or whatever i felt like there was just a monster <laughs> but i was like no I'm, I'm just i'm just giving you fair warning here prepare yourself and because people were like starting to post like is it should i be doing the there, there was a really shitty period where i mean amongst many shitty periods where um <laughs> the uk government has just given a half-assed response yes but at the absolutely. beginning there was at the beginning, there was a period where they were sort of advising restaurants and ve- and performance venues that they maybe might want to close down, but they're not going to tell them to do that. Right. But they're just ad- they're just suggesting it. So now they're in this situation where they're like, "Well, what the f- what do we do? We now it's on us. We shut down and we piss off the customers and we piss off people who really oh, bought tickets right. and also the people who are meant to be playing our venues. Right. But." But or we don't shut down, and we're clearly risking killing some of these people. But the government isn't forcing us to, so they're just making it be our fault. Yeah, it was a really nebulous. I mean, it was yeah. As far as the actual rules went, it was pretty unclear in the beginning. But like when I got, I just felt so guilty because I had just kind of hopped from hot spot to hot spot. I'm like, I was in Los Angeles, like the worst in the United States. And then I come, I fly back into London, which is like the worst here. And I just Los remember Los Angeles feeling, wasn't the worst. What? It, yeah. No, was, at, the, like, at the beginning of New York, of course, I think. But yeah, yeah. LA was there. Right. And I just, um, yeah, I just remember feeling guilty because I came home and was like, uh, hope I don't give you COVID, dude. Uh, sorry, I was just out like gallivanting and all this. But I mean, yeah, thankfully nothing really happened, but. Ever since then, we've just been sitting at home. I mean, yeah. it's... I yeah, mean... It's, I think it probably wasn't as risky in the beginning. It's just that it was a new thing. It was like we were at the you know beginning of an exponential... I guess it was only exponential briefly, but like just because it was new to us didn't mean it suddenly was everywhere. Like, look at the spikes now. We're living in a much more dangerous world than we were early March last year. It would have yeah. been hard to get it back then. You know? I guess I just didn't, at first, I was kind of bratty. Like, I don't think I immediately grasped. Well, because there wasn't consistent and clear messaging from above in any of the places where there needed to be. You know, it, uh, I, I was also the bringer of bad news to some people. I was working on a show that was taping the week everything shut down. And I think, so Friday the 13th is when the stock market tanked and we had the first like signal that this is real. And I think that Tuesday or Wednesday... We were at a, a bar after a day of shooting, and I was telling one of the EPs on this show, I was like, just know this is the last time you're going to be in a bar for maybe another year. And he was like, what? He heard nothing about this. I'm like, yeah, I don't take delight in telling you this, but just this is not going to happen for a very long time. So enjoy this. And then when it did happen, he thought I was, I think I've gotten more work from that production company because he thinks I'm extra smart as opposed to I just. He's like, Andy's a psychic. You got to hire happening. him. <laughs> yeah. He literally predicts the future. <laughs> But yeah, and then Brian Cook and I went to see Soul Asylum on that Tuesday or Wednesday, and it was half empty. We were like, we both know we shouldn't be here, but also it's half empty, so I'm not within six feet of anybody. <laughs> we 
we were sort of like, what if we can keep going to concerts that are half empty for the foreseeable future and, and that are dirt cheap on yeah, Craigslist? Yeah, okay, would, but would we do you do want that? that in your obituary? He, d- oh, he no, died I doing what I know. he loves, Listen, seeing Soul it's Asylum. The last... <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike Soul Asylum. He no longer has somebody uh, to shove, R.I.P. <laughs> yes. He shoved his last, yeah. Now make, now make God find somebody to <laughs> shove. That's what happens if Dave Parker dies. Now, yeah. now make God stop that runaway train. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I remember, I think, Brian asking me to go to at least one live music thing very, like, right at the beginning of lockdown or just before lockdown. And I just remember being like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not. I'm sorry. Whatever. It was, yeah. Also, now I've been um, getting... I've had a sore throat for a couple of days now, and man, I guess this is probably hacky, but like, don't start googling COVID symptoms because it's literally anything that you can get from you know, it's it's anything that could also be the result of say a hangover, which might be happening yeah. during this time. Yeah, or hay fever. Right. But yeah. isn't the giveaway the yeah. sense of smell and taste? If that was the only thing, then they would say it's the only thing to worry about. And I yeah, I, I mean that's a, that's that, a so. dead giveaway. If that happens, right. then all right, you got it. Yeah. But they're not. The weird thing about it is the. I think the thing that makes it so hard to pinpoint or get a gr- handle on is the the ridiculously wide range of both n- number of symptoms and severity of symptoms. Right. Right. Like some people get just one or two from the list to a very mild extent, and some people get everything for a year. <laughs> it's yeah. just and and every shade in between. But I at least want to believe because of my age and friends around my age have gotten it. No one's no one's gotten away with it without pretty notice pretty bad symptoms that i know so i'm like i doubt i'm going to be an asymptomatic case but i also just get tested every week because it's free and easy out here in the desert so i i know some people who got you know who were who got it and then were reasonably okay within a short space of time like it just sort of it was just like having the flu for a couple of days and then they were okay but it was um, the flu. It wasn't a symptomless, like, uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, the only person I know who had almost symptomless, symptomless had already had the vaccine. You know somebody or, who had the yeah. vaccine and got it? Yeah, and, and quite shortly after, but had the vaccine because he was a volunteer and his whole family, he'd only had the first dose, but then his whole family came down with COVID and he oh. had the, by far, the mildest symptoms of anyone. But he got it in yeah. between vaccine doses? Yeah, well, he's in the UK, and Britain is, as I'm sure you know, April. Yeah. Br- Britain has taken a possibly reckless, but who knows? Like Britain has decided to prioritize getting the first yes. dose to as and many people extending... as possible over getting yes. both doses. Yeah, d- which and yeah, extending the gap between the first and second dose, which wasn't in the medical trials, but now oh. now I think they are running trials. But it seems really I- idiotic. It, it seems it seems reckless. I mean, I can see the logic for just getting as, uh, the first dose into as many people as possible. But also, if that then only half works and then the virus mutates, pop, oh, is that the risk? That okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's such an it's such an unknown now, and there is some evidence that the first dose after a few weeks pro- uh, uh, does provide quite a high level of um, protection. But right, but also, it, there's so many mutations here apparently that it is. Yeah becoming yeah i just saw that on the news the other night just how it is a controversial thing to possibly extend the time between the two doses because yeah there's like the south african mutation there's some kind of 
you know, whatever, Brazilian mutation. There's like all these mutations There's that have met There's a good British here. Brook mutation. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave us now. Yeah. Um, but there really are. Now. And so they're saying, yeah, I saw in the news that they were just like, well, there could be a chance that leaving that much time, then yeah, the mutations are going to not be affected by the vaccine. Uh, and they are also, well, the other thing they are now actually running a study on is to see whether mixing vaccines between the two doses works because hmm. um, yeah trying to work out whether it has more or less or the same protection to have say first dose pfizer second dose oxford astrazeneca Interesting. i gotta say I the no biggest tra- tragedy for all of this for me is finding out which lead singers of bands i used to like don't believe in vaccine <laughs> oh. that's been yeah, who's gonna put the biggest tragedy and i'm like please take who's gonna specifically put out protest songs Dude, just... i'm like take twitter away from everybody who used to be in a band i don't want to hate all of you well it, it has it has pushed it seems like everyone who was in a band anywhere between the 60s and the and like the early 90s yes. has hit like a fork in the road and they've either gone down one path yes. or the other and they've either become the best human being alive or and just a, a sheer delight Dude. or they are or they're now singing about how they'll be putting us in camps next martin yeah. got in a huge twitter fight with ian brown from the stone roses which oh he's gone way he's off the out of his <laughs> it broke my heart i love the stone roses it broke my heart so much but then it's also the thing of like stop i had to tell Mar- i'm like stop you're you're trying you're trying to debate a person who says the sky is green like you can't debate somebody who doesn't agree on what words mean what what's the take that these people have are they is he against all vaccines is he, he just a conspiracy yes, theorist in bill general gates, what's the the vaccine is so bill gates can follow us around and david ike was right we are all lizard people and this is it's like uh... the craziest of the crazy God, it's like I, I can understand if somebody's saying this is a, a very new, not only a new vaccine, but a new kind of vaccines, a new kind of vaccine. And I want to s- see, you know, by definition, there can't be. No, no, no. I'm talking like, Bill a ton Gates, of information 5G. because it has been around for a long time. Yeah. But no. OK. Uh, yeah, those people. I don't know. It, it, where, where does Billy Corgan fall know, in all this? Right? He's kind of <laughs> it's like, why are you all? Yeah. Uh uh, at least we have the Eve Six lead singer, right? We've all been delighted by his return, his or maybe his first appearance on Twitter. I mean, have you guys been following him? I've had a look. I mean, he. I'm concerned for different reasons for him, just because it's like I don't care how funny your tweets are if you're doing 17 of them an hour, you something's right. wrong. Otherwise, but they are funny. Yeah. yeah. Is is it is it, is it him who keeps tweeting at other musicians to ask what they think about his music? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And also to dish on the assholes of the 90, alt, 90s alt-rock scene, like, uh, is it Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind? I think he has big beef with that guy. I never look at anything unless Martin tells, like, I don't, I'm not on any social media anymore. And so unless he specifically okay. says, hey, go look at that, like, he was like, oh my God, Ian Brown. And I was like, don't, I don't, I didn't want to know that. And now I know that he's crazy. And so if he tells me to go look at I don't know, this one, I'm just, I'm just looking at Ian Brown's Twitter account right now. And this one seems to make. This oh, one God. checks out, and you know we're a science podcast, so I think oh, we should read out this piece of science. Oh no! Um, the bat was put into your mind as part of the spell, a symbol for the devil-minded elite using poodle politicians to hold us hostage while they rearrange society. Their poisons your only path to freedom. See? Airtight logic. That's, 
that's a lyricist right there. <laughs> yeah. Like that. It's beautiful. It is. And also, who wouldn't want to be ruled by poodle politicians? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love a poodle. What a, what a cute world. That I love be. alliteration. Yeah. yeah. You know, the only thing that would be cuter to be ruled by than poodle politicians would be? What's that? The smallest reptile on earth. Hey. Oh, this is, this is... Andy, look at that finally getting into a story. With <laughs> is it segue. the Geico lizard? It's it's if the Geico lizard would fit on the tip of your fingernail, then yes, it is. If you want to click on the link I just sent, yes, I it's do. Pretty damn cute. I do. Oh, look at this guy! Scientists believe they may have discovered the smallest reptile on Earth, a chameleon subspecies that's the size of a seed. Two of the tiny lizards were discovered by a German Madagascan ex- expedition team in Madagascar. The male Brochesia nana or nano chameleon has a body of just thirteen point five millimeters. Which, to be fair, is a big seed, but uh, this makes it the smallest of about 11,500 known species of reptiles, according to the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology in Munich. Its length from top to tail is 22 millimeters. Wait, they just say it's 13.5. Anyway, uh, the female is by far, is far bigger at around 29 millimeters, the Institute said, adding that other specimens were yet to be located despite great effort. The new chameleon is only known from a degraded montane rainforest in northern Madagascar. It seems a little judgy uh, and might be threatened by extinction, said the Scientific Reports Journal. Oh, no. Degraded sounds sounds negative, but actually it's a kind of design art and design term. Like it just means that, you know, when you see some of the brickwork coming through. <laughs> OK, yeah. Rustic. <laughs> it's like, rustic. Yeah. And it, it just like back in the day, that would be like, oh, no, that's sloppy. But now you just go, oh, that's actually kind of I like it. It's kind of just gives a realness to it. Also, yeah, this rain for it is distressed. This is threatened by yeah. extinction by anyone who's like wearing a pair of boots. Like, right. you know what I mean? Or, or sneezes. Yeah. This entire this guy's entire family is killed anytime you take a step. I think he's small enough. He could fit between the treads on a good pair of hiking boots, though. He probably just. Right. Uh, Oliver Holacek, a scientist at the Center of Natural History in Hamburg, said the nano chameleon's habitat has unfortunately been subject to deforestation, but the area was placed under protection recently, so the species will survive. Wow. So how how much forest do they so need? Confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like a blade of grass. Can we just give them a little cute terrarium? Yeah. How do you feed one of these guys? I want to see that happen. A tiny, tiny little bottle. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, the researchers found that it hunts for mites in the rainforest floor and hides from predators at night in blades of grass. Yeah. In a blog post, Dr. Mark Schertz, one of the researchers involved in the discovery, called it a spectacular case of extreme this miniaturization. This is a Pixar movie. This isn't a yeah. real yeah. article. The forests where the Brookhesia were located are still well connected with others across the north of the island, he said. So this tiny new chameleon violates the pattern of the smallest species being found on small islands. That suggests that something else is allowing slash causing these chameleons to miniaturize. Yeah, the ray that Rick Moranis built. (laughs) That's what this is. Honey, I shrunk the Brookhesia Nana. Does it say what they use for various things around? Yeah, exactly. The house? Oh, just like oh, yeah. like a button for a table or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> One oh. eyelash is like this. Is their broom? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> this thing is so damn cute. It People really who are is. listening at home, you have to uh, click on the link in our show notes to see a picture. of This guy chilling on someone's fingernail is pretty damn cute. Those little fingers. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to even see its claws with my naked eye if it was on my finger right now. Yeah, that part is kind of big. This guy <laughs> crawling in your ear. 
I mean, he doesn't. What does he want to do in your ear? What does he not want to do? It's kind of to rainforest. him. It's a cave. Yeah, I consider my ear a degraded uh, something. <laughs> oh, do you, I forgot. April, do you guys have any pets over there? I thought you were gonna be like, do you guys have earwax over there? <laughs> we do. We have it on this island. Uh, no, we don't. I want to get a pet really badly, but we have yet to is, do is that. Your, What's on your, the list? What's on the dog. wish list? I mean, the list begins and ends with a dog, but we. Martin wants a wiener dog, which I'm cool with, but Ooh, yeah. I have a stepdaughter that's really scared of dogs, so it's a bummer. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It depends on if she gets over that. Well, is there... How, how old is she? She is about to be eight next month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because there are, you know, there are so, plenty of... Some dogs are substantially more calm and chill like you want a dog that doesn't oh jump no no up no, no. And... i know that she is scared of every single dog and won't get okay well that's that's fair enough that's it's not if, it's not if great if you're on full phobia then there's nothing yeah you can i'm do, trying but... to work through it but yeah i mean if we did it yeah. would have to be like a medium sized dog or a small dog yeah and have her ridiculously involved right from the beginning and yeah. trying to in choosing the dog and yeah yeah are you still um documenting the whereabouts of the backyard fox oh we don't have any we moved like we bought a new oh, house that oh. was in the house that we were renting so sadly although i mean you we see foxes all the time just like walking down the street but there's not we don't have that backyard anymore it's very heartbreaking wow. i is, miss them is that um specific to your region or foxes just everywhere oh no that's everywhere. yeah Matt that's knows. the whole uk yeah dude foxes. Yeah. they're lousy with foxes foxes are like stray cats here they just walk around this yeah no. somewhere between stray cats and kind of and like you know how you'll see coyotes sometimes in la but i or, right. or raccoons yeah but i see foxes all the time they're about as prevalent as raccoons are in in la maybe more crazy yeah you'll just oh yeah yeah like especially uh, but, at night but also because they kind of yeah at nighttime because that's when they sort of go out and hunt or in, in the city more like just rummage through the bins yeah you see them going through but the trash they, or if i'm like especially when i used to actually go places walking home from the train station and stuff they would just like walk basically right beside you because they're just waiting to be led to food although every night in our street now because we live like by an intersection that has the recycling and stuff like oh tons of foxes also i don't know if i've told like the scariest you'll never hear a scarier sound in your life than foxes fucking it's oh. the scariest sound I've ever heard in my entire life. The very first time that I heard it, it was actually, I mean, it was well before I moved here. It was when I was staying at my friend Grant's house. And, and he lives in London, like in the center of London. And I, no kidding, I'm not exaggerating. Like I knocked on his door and I was like, I think we have to call the cops. And he's like, what? Why? And I was like, <laughs> somebody is murdering a baby. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, can you not hear that? Like a toddler is being murdered. We have to call the cops. And he was like, oh no, that's foxes having sex. Good God. <laughs> it is the scariest. It truly, it's like toddler fight club. It's like two babies <laughs> killing each other. I just Googled it. All I'm getting is furry porn. Why is that? What is the... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. No, it's really, it's truly the most terrifying sound I've ever heard. And I hear it relatively often. Wow. So you, you've, the, the, I guess there's no like um, excitement when you see a fox. Obviously, no, I still, <laughs> still flip out. Is. Like, cause, like particularly if you're driving home at night. Like it happened just last time we were back in London and we were driving back to my parents' house, and you know Holly doesn't normally see foxes because she didn't grow up in Britain. Like quite often they'll just be crossing the road in front of you, but they the headlight hits them and they just because they're 
bright orange and their eyes light up. So it just right. it looks it looks great. They look gorgeous. Yeah, I flip out. I but mean, yeah, Martin, just, yeah, he grew up here, so he's like whatever. But I completely. But even out. still, I grew up in England, and I still just if you see a like if you got the headlights hit a fox, it just, and they light up. It, they do. They look gorgeous. Yeah, and the ones that lived in our yard, uh, but they're also like pests. Pixar. I mean, they. Well, I found after I was like so obsessively posting about them because I really would just stare at them for hours because I was like, they look fake. They were so perfectly orange. They just look like animatronic foxes. But there mm-hmm. are quite a few Instagram accounts of people who live in London or nearby who have completely domesticated theirs. Like, no, so I, I promise I if, if I find I forget the name of the one because I'll send you the link. It's this guy in London who the same fox just kept like coming to his street every night. And so he started leaving out food. And now the fox just like comes up to his door and into his house. I mean, foxes are kind of dog. They're more dog than cat. Mm-hmm. So they you can domestic. I don't think you're supposed to. I mean, they're wild animals, but the fox will just come up to him and like lick his face and be like, hey, buddy, what's up? And just act like a dog. <laughs> they're more dog than cat. Because every animal exists on the dog to cat spectrum. Well, no, they are, but foxes <laughs> no, I, I, kind I, I, of I, are. They're like kind of a mix, but it's kind of like 70-30 dog, I think. <laughs> if you take... <laughs> Right. If you take two, if you get two dogs to mate with one cat, it puts out a fox. I don't know what they're like, what their fucking <laughs> genus is or whatever, but it's like they're like part canine, part feline. Right, right. I get it. Um, yeah, because they're dogs, but they're kind of like sexy dogs. <laughs> right. That's what's going. On. They're like dogs. They're like, ha- a, they're like Halloween dogs. <laughs> I do. I they slink. It's someone else's joke, but like, yeah, who was the first person to decide that the fox was the animal most associated with sexiness? Like, obviously, look at this. Look at this animal. Like it's a- Yo, I've seen enough in person that I'll co-sign on it. <laughs> <laughs> the animal I've seen out here that I only knew from cartoons before was the Roadrunner. And every time I see it, this is the most on-brand animal you've ever seen. I only see them running across the road. Oh my God, does me. it say meet me? It does. Yeah. They're, That's right. The first time I was in the desert just outside outside of LA and saw Roadrunner. And again, it was the same thing. I was just like, oh, wait, that's, a, that's real. That's hold real. Hold on. Hold on, both of you. So yeah. it, I didn't know until right this minute they're real. And also, what is it? A chicken? I mean, it's a bird. I don't, I don't know if it's, to- it's flightless or not. It's a, but, um... Like, the cartoon is not that much of an exaggeration in how they look. Because it has these long legs that almost look like they're spinning as, they, as it runs because of the... The, their weird gait. Except for the scale. I thought it was going to be a bigger... I mean, the cartoon, it's like yeah. ostrich size, and this thing is a size... That's true. They're, they're like the size of a small chicken. But do they probably, have... Probably, yeah. Like in the cartoon... Is it like blue feathers? Like um, in the It's definitely dark, and it does have like plumage off coming up off its head. Uh, it might be a dark blue, or just like black. Uh, I gotta go back to my wow, pictures. I don't think I've ever even considered that they were real. Like, I thought yeah, it was being a desert, made-up thing. Seeing a roadrunner and also tumbleweed. Like, oh, the yeah. two things that were just... That are just yeah. um, from a movie set. Yeah, Google image search uh, roadrunner. It's pretty... Am I just going to get a real? bunch of Acme? It's just very, like... Uh, it does. It's one of those birds that does remind you, like, oh, yeah, dinosaurs definitely were birds, or birds were dinosaurs, or whatever. Yeah, they've definitely got a raptor-like oh, okay. appearance. Yeah, yeah, dude, fuck birds, by the way. That is one thing about living in <laughs> Like, I, who cares about birds anyway? Like, in general, I've never been a fan in my life. But living here, the seagulls in Brighton are so motherfucking ruthless. I hate all of that. 
dude. Oh it, yeah, because Brighton is a big. Well, Brighton is a big tourist town as well. So people just leave. Like people leave food out and oh, you know get picnics dude, and drop stuff. I haven't and, talked to you guys. Or, like if you you'll have your chips at night and you'll just be walking with them and they then will a, eat them a, a out of your will just hand. steal it. They will. Yeah. Oh, a seagull ate food out of my mouth. I thought I was gonna <laughs> die. I was like, is what's nine one one here? Because I have a disease now. Like I was on the pier. Because when I first moved here, I didn't know that they, I, you know, I've been to beaches in my life and I've seen seagulls, but none, like these are unlike any American, see, they are so ruthless. They genuinely will come right up to your face and like steal shit from you. God. They will dive bomb. They're terrifying. And I didn't know that. So when I first moved here, you know, it was beautiful out. We would like go eat in a park, go eat at the pier. So I'm on the pier and I took a bite of a churro and... I'm not lying at all. I could get Martin up here to tell you. A seagull dive comes from the sky and, and flew into my mouth and took it out of my mouth. <laughs> like fully, a full entire seagull beak was inside of my mouth. God. And took the churro out of my mouth. And I like scream bloody murder. Of course, everyone on the pier was laughing at me, which I was like, rightfully so. But also I'm terrified. <laughs> Like, I had to sit down and, like, catch... I was just like, we have to go home right now. I, this is the most horrifying day of my life. So that was the first time it happened. The second time it happened, I was in a park and just kind of absentmindedly... Like, we were just sitting on in a park eating something. And thankfully, it was only in my hand. But same thing. Like, the seagull just flew down and took it out of my hand and flew off. It was like a sandwich or something. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they know now. They know that terrifying. there's always going to be food around the pier and the beach. Yes. And they are not shy. It's not a thing where they're tiptoeing up like, hey, you're going to drop that. They will, they're just going to like shake you down for it. <laughs> it's like a bully getting your lunch money. Stop feeding the Brighton seagulls, people. I hate them. The, the other animal thing that I didn't know was real or didn't get until I came here, and I've told this story a few years ago on the podcast as well, was one early on in living in L.A., I was driving over just uh, driving over Laurel, like, so driving over the hills mm-hmm. with friend of the show, Emery Emery. And, um, and just that like, there was this really strong weed smell. And I was like, wow, someone's smoking a lot of weed around here. And Emery went, oh yeah, that'll be the skunk. That'll be a skunk. A skunk's gone off around here. Right. And I, and I was, I was like, oh, but why does a skunk smell like, hey. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the day you became a man. <laughs> and then, and then, Years later, I was driving other friend of the show, Josie Long. I, I was the one driving this time, and I had exactly the same conversation, but the other way around. <laughs> where she, she was where like, she was like, why does it smell like... Uh, hey, skunk weed. I mean, skunks are in the... When I grew up, growing up in the South, I've smelled a zillion skunk. So that is a very, sadly like familiar scent it's so gross have, have you, you ever have either of you been sprayed by a skunk no i was gonna ask no. if you guys have no, had to I do like, the tomato sauce bath or if that's a i thought that would seem like a very expensive solution i don't know if it really is the best one but it seems well i mean you can go to mcdonald's and they'll give you as many packets oh, as you okay. want. <laughs> yeah i've never i haven't i've had friends who's like dogs have and then they have to bathe their dogs in a weird mix of that stuff but thankfully i've never experienced it i mean most of the time i smelled it growing up it was because somebody ran one over yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably true for right here too, or for my childhood. No skunks in the desert, as far as I know. Um, I forgot if I've told you. I have seen a scorpion now. I have yet to see a rattlesnake, but I've seen a non-venomous snake, uh, tarantula. Ah. Just one, not near my house on a hike. 
uh, and then Bighorn Sheep. Oh yeah, uh, that's that was right. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was. We saw a scorpion on our road trip to Utah when we were just get, when we were just refueling. We were just in the station and uh, and just suddenly just over by one of the other pumps there was just a scorpion minding his own business walking Smoking through. Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wearing yeah, a satin jacket time. with himself on the back. <laughs> we went I went to Costa Rica with Chip and there were tons. We were staying in this house that just they were just in the showers and stuff. It was just one of those situations where we always showered with flip flops on and stuff. Yeah, because the people we were staying with would be like, "Oh my God, there's a scorpion in the shower," and they'd be like, "Just one, lucky, like, <laughs> cool." There's, you know, they do seem pretty avoidable. They're not like the fastest things, and they're pretty big, so you can see them. Yeah, but they're I not. Know. I don't know. It's still not a thing where I'm like, I'll relax next to the scorpion. Like it's not. No a situation yeah. I want to find myself in. You want to keep your guard up. You want to keep your wits about you. Yeah, Matt. You know another way you can keep your wits about you. Go on. Is, is by as by filling your head with some good knowledge. Smooth. <laughs> well, how would how, how would one do such a thing? Surely there is. Surely in this modern era, there's no way to learn anything well, you, easily I, with some kind of subscription service that might partner I with think, us. Yes, you'd be surprised. Uh, obviously, we love to learn. Our listeners love to learn. It's empowering knowing that you can do better, feel better, be better. So this year, we're continuing to learn with purpose using the Great Courses Plus and. We sure we encourage our listeners to do the same. Uh, there's so much fascinating knowledge you can tap into with this service. We've talked about it before. It's a uh, streaming service, video, or just audio content with so many incredible courses taught by great lecturers. Uh, we just started yep. watching slash listening to um, The Joy of Science on there. Yeah, which which is great, but I am... I am disappointed to find out that there aren't pencil line drawings of naked people doing <laughs> right. science. The 70s version, uh, they, had, they had beards. Yeah. Did you notice the difference? <laughs> really, yeah. really beardy, yeah, really beardy scientists yeah. doing their science. But, but again, yeah, like, like all of these courses, they are, they've selected people who are like top lecturers and researchers in their fields who've been selected both for their expertise and also for their communication skills. So this course is taught by Dr. Robert M. Hazen, who's the Clarence J. Robinson Professor of Earth Sciences at George Mason University and a research scientist at the Geophysical Laboratory of the Carnegie Institution in Washington. They are proper, proper pe- places. Uh, so, yeah, n- none of your nonsense. None of your, oh, this guy will do. <laughs> no, none of that. She's okay. She seems to know her stuff. No, proper top researchers and lecturers in their field. And, and you can jump between formats. Like Andy was saying, you can look, listen to it in your car as a podcast while you're driving, and then you can get home and watch it on your TV or on your laptop, just t- picking up from where you left off. Yeah, and this course is a great course for this time that we're in with everybody sort of um, throwing around uh, things like believe science. Like, well, that's not even the right term. There isn't, like, that, there isn't one fixed thing that is science that we point to. So if you want to like, re-familiarize yourself with what exactly the concept of science is, including the scientific method, which is a thing that you can believe in, uh, and, and every subfield, biology, physics, astronomy, chemistry, earth sciences, that's all covered in the joy of science. And again... Yeah, this is... I mean, this is like a really... This course... They... they you know, we've, we've pretty much never found a subject that they don't have covered. But this course by itself is a 60-lecture course that covers pretty much all science. Yeah, like, yeah. It just, it's like this will take you up to a sort of a fairly like a decent grounding in just about every aspect of modern science from like plant science to planetary science uh to um molecular 
um to quantum like just every every little branch of science or every branch of science there is a lecture on this one and this one so 30 hours worth of that's a- this will take you from knowing very little about science to knowing to being able to really hold your own on a dinner a party. one weekend of really intense binging and you could have a pretty decent grasp on just about every subfield of science yeah <laughs> that's that's two two seasons of game of thrones yeah. worth of science and at the end of it, you'll probably be able to make your own electromagnet and split an atom at home. I don't know if that second one's true, but um, pretty sure you can make an electromagnet. Yeah, I think I think that's fairly relatively easy yeah. to do. Like splitting the atom—that's like the second sixty lectures. Yeah, you might have to pay extra for that. But for now, you can get fourteen days of unlimited access to all the courses they offer if you visit thegreatcourses.plus.com/slash/probably. There's no risk. Go 14... do it. Yeah, 14 days is more than enough to do all 30 hours of that lecture and more. So once again, go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. All right, well, this is a story that a bunch of people sent in. I know we had some emails, and also it was tweeted at us by Garrett Copeland and Andrew Davis, amongst others. And look, we can't not do spinach sending emails. Yeah, what is it? Emailing... <laughs> well, you know, you know how, you know how spinach has in the past been more of a letter writing old school kind <laughs> right. of communication right but uh yeah the euronews.com editorializes at the beginning with it may sound like something out of a futuristic science fiction film but scientists have managed to engineer spinach plants which are capable of sending emails <laughs> through through nanotechnology engineers at mit in the u.s that's a proper place yeah. that's legit <laughs> They have transformed transformed spinach into sensors capable of detecting explosive materials. These plants are then able to wirelessly relay this information back to the scientists. By the way, this seems like they are really pushing hard for the Ig Nobel Prize. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I don't. This also this seems is... like maybe they should text or call if, they, if it's <laughs> if yeah. it's explosive. I think that an email is not. Would it kill you to pick up the phone? Right. Yeah, you need to well, call me spinach with the... if there's a bomb that's going to go off. You can mark emails with the, like the urgent <laughs> right. like, like the yellow, yellow double thing. exclamation yeah. next to it. When the when the spinach roots detect the presence of nitro aromatics in groundwater, a compound often found in explosives like landmines, the carbon nanotubes within the leaves emit a signal. Hold on. This So this is like yeah. if somebody the situation where this has to apply is like if there is a spinach farm and somebody puts landmines on it, so the spinach will email you and go, hey, dude. Sounds like it, yeah. This is a dangerous yeah. spinach farm now. <laughs> yeah. You should know. Hope this email finds you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, this could, I mean, this could be the first step in building a super Popeye. <laughs> 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 like like a Popeye that that has been augmented, like Universal Soldier Popeye. <laughs> One eye just turns bright green, a la Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> so this, so when it when it detects the nitroaromatics, it the carbon nanotubes emit the signal. The signal is then read by an infrared camera, sending an email alert to the scientists. The experiment is part of a wider field of research, which involves engineering electronic components and systems into plants. The technology is known as plant nanobionics and is effectively the process of giving plants new abilities. I don't like it. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want to eat spinach that can email. <laughs> well, 
Well, then, well, let's hear out Professor Michael Strano, who led the research. uh, Michael says, Plants are very good analytical chemists. They have an extensive root network in the soil, are constantly sampling groundwater, and have a way to self-power the transport of that water up into the leaves. This is a novel demonstration of how we have overcome the plant-human communication Finally. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did that Was that barrier a problem for anyone? Look, you're really showing your privilege yeah. there, April. Because <laughs> maybe not for you, but for a lot of people. Wow. Now we're not... I can't be a vegan now because it's like... <laughs> I talked I talk to that spinach that you just put in a salad. <laughs> yeah, no food with a face or email capability. Yeah. Yeah. So, while the purpose of this experiment was to detect explosives, Strano and other scientists believe it could be used to help warn researchers help about pollution <laughs> and other environmental conditions. Because of the vast amount of data plants absorb from their surroundings, they are ideally situated to monitor ecological changes. In the early phases of plant nanobionic research, Strano used nanoparticles to make, re- to make plants into sensors for pollutants. By altering how the plants photosynthesized, he was able to have them detect nitric oxide, a pollutant caused by combustion. Strano adds, plants are very environmentally responsive. They know that there is going to be a drought long before we do. They can detect small changes in the properties of soil and water potential. If we tap into those chemical signaling pathways, there is a wealth of information to access. And, oh wow, there's, there's more stuff. There's a, oh, there's a second spinach nanotechnology thing in here as well. Should what? We, should we just, what? Yeah. When it's not busy emailing researchers, spinach seems to also hold the key to efficiently powering fuel cells we as well. spinach too much responsibility here? Yeah. I think I think we are. It's going to be the next. There's going to be a real run on spinach now, and spinach is going to become incredibly expensive. Scientists scientists from the American University have found that when, which is a specific research institute rather than just that American University, (laughs) have found that when spinach is converted into carbon nanosheets, it can function as a catalyst to help make metal air batteries and fuel cells more efficient. Professor Xu Hong Zhu, who led the paper, said, This work suggests that sustainable catalysts can be made for an oxygen reduction reaction from natural resources. Metal air batteries are more efficient alternatives to lithium-ion batteries, which are commonly found in commercial products like smartphones. Spinach was specifically chosen because of its abundance of iron and nitrogen, which are important elements in compounds that act as catalysts. The researchers had to wash, juice, and grind the spinach into a powder, turning it from its edible form into nanosheets suitable for the process. I'll eat those nanosheets. Yeah. I wonder if when they were juicing them, they had the option of adding some power-up uh, a little bit. Spiral limb or whatever that stuff. Spiral limb. Yeah. Do you want energy or do you want, uh, do, do you want immunity from diseases? Like, like a nanosheet smoothie or whatever? Night vision, yeah. right. The method we uh, tested can produce highly active carbon-based catalysts from spinach, adds Zhu, which is a renewable biomass. In fact, we believe it outperforms commercial platinum catalysts in both activity and stability. So it says it's more efficient than lithium-ion batteries? That seems, like, uh, surprising. Apparently so. Mm. I'm always curious, again, I mean, it's the oldest joke in the book, but, like, the first person who figures these things out, the first dude who's, like... Let's try spinach in there instead of a bag. Yeah. And then starts the process of 
you know, finding out how to actually do that. By the way, guys, uh, I just found this article about how um, arugula can Skype. Did you guys know this? <laughs> <laughs> Recent discovery. Yeah, that's the emailing so, thing is wild. It just sounds so specific. Like I said, it's just like if there just happens to be something near a spinach farm. This is like one of those things whenever I watch a heist movie or something and then I think about how criminals probably watch it to get ideas. And so anybody reading this is like, hey, it's it's easy. We just don't put our landmines in a spinach farm. Like go find a <laughs> peach farm. Nowhere put as many spinach. as you want in there. Mine away. They'll never find out. Because peaches can't email. <laughs> As my mama always said. <laughs> peaches can't email. You, you think they can. <laughs> We're always saying it. Well, maybe they can now. Georgia turned blue. Oh, yeah. Oh. Are you still able to vote in... Oh, hell do yeah. Do you vote in... Yeah, absolutely. Do you vote in Georgia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Before I moved here, I registered to vote for at my mom's address in Atlanta. So, hell yeah, I do. What I would gotta you cancel to- out her vote. What would you have to do to lose that right? If you have... Give up my citizen, my U.S. citizenship. How does one do that? Um, I would have to... I, I, I think you actually do have to, like, renounce it. Because, dude, all of this stuff is so dumb. I could only become a U.K. citizen after living here for five years. And then, of course, I have to do the same kind of thing as you. Like, you have to take a test and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if you guys know this, but the United States is the only place that if you keep your citizenship you pay u.s taxes no matter where you live the only so, place that does that the only country i did know that is the only country Cause even that that's even the you. case if you have a u.s green card because yes. i've got i know people who have got green cards and then their career has taken off back in their home country and they've ended up just renouncing their green card letting it expire because yeah. they're like well now i have to pay Two taxes my canadian or uk earnings yeah to america as well yes doing my taxes since moving here has been a nightmare but yeah so the only reason i would do it or kind of like the main you know benefit of doing it is that you don't have to pay u.s taxes anymore but i don't know i don't i don't think i'm gonna do it yeah it's i just didn't know there was a formal process of renouncing it feels like it should involve a glove slap or something (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you do so that you don't have to pay those taxes but i don't think that i will because i do i guess want the option to someday move back if i should change my mind um or if like although i can't see that i mean living somewhere with an actual social safety net i don't i don't know i mean martin and i've talked about like oh what if we just retire in the states but then i think well, that's going to be the time that we're going to need healthcare the most. Yeah, I I remember so when I, I don't know when I went to Nicaragua like seven years ago. There was a New York Times article about people in America who were like retired from their jobs but not old enough to qualify for Medicare, and they'd spent the intervening years in Nicaragua just for the uh, free yeah free healthcare. Yeah, I don't know Matt, how you do it, Matt. I don't know how you don't have. I mean, the NHS is unbelievably amazing every time i've had to use it i'm like i can't believe how good this it it is there that is one thing that is depressing about being here and just even when i've had like really good insurance it's still just a nightmare yeah and i every time i've gone like there's no lot like all the nightmares that all my mom wants to believe right where she'll be like oh my god didn't you have to wait in line didn't you have a terrible doctor didn't you have this this and this i was like absolutely not it's been just like you said, even when I had like really good insurance, when I had good jobs, this is still totally better. All of the doctors have well, been amazing. 
And there are problems with the NHS and, you know, and increasing problems when they when there are governments that are putting squeezes on them and there are waiting lists for things and they do prioritize certain treatments. But almost every complaint that I've seen leveled at the NHS and I've we've talked about this before in the show. I, I've there are very few complaints about the NHS leveled by Brits or overseas people who are trying to criticize it that aren't also true of America. Sure, for sure. Like, yeah. like when they're like, yeah. oh, they have death panels on the, they're like, you know, they. Which is basically means no, they they triage. They have a they have a certain amount of resources, and they prioritize what they think. Yeah, are the that's most a good point. Ones, what, what health service doesn't then, triage? Yeah, that's like. <laughs> but yeah, but then also like when they're doing it, they are doing that because they're trying to decide how they can treat the most people the best with their resources, right. rather than a private company that is trying to treat the fewest people to keep to increase their profits. Like every private health insurance in America has offices that you could describe as death panels because it's their entire job to find different creative ways to avoid paying for some or all of people's treatments. I mean, I should add my, obviously my experiences have been limited. Like I don't have a major disease that needs treatment or anything like that. I'm just talking about the times that I'm like, hey, this feels weird. Hey, I've got a cough. Hey, this is, can I get a blood test? Because this is weird. Like every single time the doctor's been like, oh my God, absolutely, of course. And then I go. Yeah. And they laugh. go for an x-ray. And sometimes when I've had to wait for an, get an x-ray sometimes for something, you you know, that's one where you might have to wait if it's not an urgent thing. Right. And you're sitting in a waiting room for two hours looking at your phone. But that's But you would even fine. do that with insurance. And they also laugh Yeah, and then you walk time. out without paying a penny. Yes, because I always, I, I, I still don't believe it. I had to get a blood test like a few weeks ago and I went and when I was leaving, like, she's just like, bye, have a nice day. And I'm like, I don't, where do I go now? And she's just like, to your house. I'm like, <laughs> who do I talk to in billing? Or like, what did she's like? No, you don't what, No, And like, they always laugh. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I don't have to pay for this. You know what I'm looking at right now? Funny. You should mention this. This is the sound of me opening a bill from the high desert medical center because I had shingles two months ago. Right. Okay, so I have health insurance. I went to the High Desert Medical Center, and I was like, I know this is shingles. Um, they did no actual testing. I, I waited in line. I got, a, I got a bracelet. He looked at me, wrote me a prescription for, it turns out it's Valtrex. It's herpes medicine. Um, that's literally... Right, because chicken pox and shingles are all part of the yeah, herpes, herpes family. Yeah, herpes, zoster, whatever. Uh, guess what the bill that I just opened says, and I have health insurance and all he did was write a prescription. Didn't even test to see that it was, he just looked at it and said, yeah, guess what this bill says? $400, 592. <gasps> see, I, that is crazy. And like, sure. I do pay a lot of ta- Like my mom's like, Oh my God, you pay so many taxes. I'm like, dude, how is that any different than paying an insurance premium and then also paying a bill? Right. It's not yeah. different. Yeah, if you don't have a job that comes with health insurance or a union job, you know, that where the union you are earning enough to make the insurance, then you're paying like a, at least 3 to 400 a month. Yeah. On health insurance. Yeah, I pay yes. I pay 300 so, a month for my bronze plan that does shit and then I get $600 bill for just uh get having a doctor look at my right. face. And if you wanted like a silver if you wanted a silver plan or a gold plan, then you're talking probably 400 yeah. minimum. And I have yeah. no pre-existing conditions and I'm a non-smoker. Like I'm right. you know, presumably the lowest risk kind of person money-wise yeah. to them. But um. so, so you're looking at like five grand a year just on health insurance and then bills on top of that if you ever have to actually yes. use a doctor. Exactly, which is like, okay, I 
pay taxes that are probably the equivalent or less than that. And like, I'm totally fine with that. Yep. It's a bad system. It's a bad. <laughs> and like, it's so funny because when I talk to my mom, my super duper Republican mom, like she is so mad about it. it's the funniest thing. It's like, the weirdest like, thing to get defensive about. Why would you super ever- <laughs> weird to get defensive? Plus, I'm your child. Like, I'm sorry. You're angry that I get good and free health care. What are you're my mother? Isn't that you're supposed to want me to be healthy? Like she'll be like that when I'm ill, I just call up a doctor and then i see that doctor yes. and they fix me and then i and go she's home angry she like the times i've just happened to be like oh i just got home from the doctor and she'll be like did you wait a long time i was like no <laughs> not at all was he like bad at, was he incompetent and i'm like no it was great it was very nice oh did you have to pay no i didn't have to pay at all but i bet your tax i was like yeah i pay taxes but and she just is always so furious and again i'm just like i'm sorry <laughs> did you want me to t- tell you a horror story that your daughter had a bad experience medically is that what you want you just to hear? Walk in and there's just a, like a guy with a blood splattered yeah. jacket and a chainsaw, <laughs> just like, what are we gonna right. fix? It's like, would you be happy if I said that? Like, it's so crazy. This picture it's just so uh, mad it works out. Like how barbers used to be doctors, you know? Like a, a, she's probably picturing just like chimney sweeps are also surgeons. Totally. <laughs> They're just totally. wiping soot off. Their he gave faces. me some leeches, yeah. like yeah. something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just. Um, Ear, nose, throat, and shoe repair. <laughs> yeah. It's so, I mean, it's like, it is so funny that something could be that divisive that it's like, I'm like, I'm sorry, are you actively wishing harm on your only kid to like prove yourself right? Like, that's so fucking crazy. It's, I wish we could just snap our fingers and have it be part of our, one of our socialized systems here, because as soon as it is, it'll be a thing that people defend well, as that, if well, it was like yeah. social security. Everyone defends as if it's a God given right. And I'm like, well, that's also what happened with Obamacare. You know, it was, it was such a fight to get it done in the first place. And Obamacare was such a fudge. It was such a, like a half ass compromise, yeah. but even the stuff that that gave like three years later, now any suggestion that it's going to be taken away from it. Now, even that like the Republican candidates have to be like, we will defend pre-existing conditions. They're like, the, the, the Democrats want to get rid of the pre-existing conditions. <laughs> what? That was the <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. It's so uh, dumb. Uh, um, you know what would be nice if we could What's do? That? Just Just sleep all the way through these oh. problems and wake up with a yes. Like, hibernate. Mm-hmm. Which, mm. a new paper reveals a persuasive case that humans may be used to try to do. Oh, yeah? I think I'm currently yeah, trying to do that. <laughs> this article in, in Popular Mechanics, uh, it's from the, the evidence from nutritional diseases that leave a permanent mark on the skeleton. This group of human-like primates spent winters sheltered in the dark, inside dark but safe caves. In this new study, scientists reveal their findings from a key investigation. Did humans or their ancestors ever hibernate? Mm. Well, while it's difficult to make a conclusive case after thousands of years, researchers have combined observations from the fossil record and believe that humans had a form of hibernating ability in the long-ago past. The results show through evidence that, like bone structure and growth over time, which scientists can use to backform what people were eating and doing during the seasonal cycle. Okay, popular mechanics, here we go. This is like a Homo sapiens. That's us! (laughs) That's... Um, yeah. There's a a little that's us with an exclamation mark. Homo sapiens, that's us! Evolved somewhere around 300,000 years ago. In this research, paleoanthropologists from Greece and Spain studied fossil evidence from about 500,000 years ago, making those the remains of an extinct human-like ancestor. 
the, uh, the researchers explain in the paper, we examine the hominin skeletal collection from Cima de los Huesos, uh, Cave Maya in Atapuerca, Spain, for evidence of hyperparathyroidism after a thorough review of the literature. So the location of, in the caves of Atapuerca, a previous, uh, sorry, a precious archaeological site where scientists have found over 1,600 human fossils from a key period in the evolutionary timeline of Homo sapiens, is important for the specific scope of this research. Caves are a natural shelter, and researchers study them as an example of an early type of settlement, as humans develop technologies like agriculture that enable them to, quote, put down roots. Uh, hey. Oh, popular mechanics. In this time, in this case, the researchers believe that those roots invo- included staying inside the caves a lot of the time, including through the cold and difficult winter months. Today, we know that hibernating animals walk a very fine line of preparation and subsistence, building fat stores and activating biological triggers to lower body temperature and metabolism. But while modern humans have technology that staves off nutritional diseases, for example, our prehistoric ancestors... Uh, oh, sorry, for example, our prehistoric ancestors had no such luck. So in, it's in these absences which leave physical marks on the human skeleton that researchers have found their clues. Here is just part of the laundry list of self-evident health conditions. We found, and this is a big Whoa, quote. Jeez, yeah. This is, here we go. Brace yourselves, people. Oh. We found trabecular tunneling and ostatus fibrosa. Both? Subperiosteal <laughs> rib uh, resorption, rotten fence post signs, wait, brown tumor. What Hold the hell up. is that? <laughs> the other one about so it was like they absorbed their own rib. I don't know. Subperiosteal, or is that like their own, you know, waste? Peri brown tumors. Peri-steel. I don't know. Su- no, pu- subperiosteal. Ost- Osti is bone. So that's below the bone, isn't it? So yeah, it is below. It is, they're absorbing their own bones. Uh-huh. Subperiosteal, I believe. Hmm. Oh, by the way, we, we had another pronunciation correction in, in our emails, by the way, and I'll, I'll get what you mentioned Can we talk point. more? Is, this, is it like you sleep so much that your body is like, I guess I'll eat these ribs? I guess. I think so. Was there a Yikes. specific... Did we say ribs specifically? I forgot. Was it in there I thought somewhere? you did say rib. Maybe oh, yeah, it was just me. Oh. No, I think, I think you got uh, fibrosa, you might have oh. heard. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, but, McRib Oh, no, ribs is lower down, though. The, <laughs> the beat... It does say the beading of ribs, mostly in the adolescent population of these hominins. Oh. Ra- uh, rachitic osteoplaths. And they also suffered annually from renal rickets, secondary hyperparathyroidism, and renal osteodystrophy associated with chronic kidney disease, mineral and bone disorder. Damn. Uh, we suggest that these diseases were caused by poorly tolerated hibernation in dark cavernous hibernacular so, so we were bad at hibernating and basically started eating ourselves these guys were hot <laughs> sexy yeah. sexy came hot yeah. by the way until right now i never really thought about the cave part of caveman and like how are there enough caves on earth that that could have been a part of of early you know hominid experience was like cave dwelling i just feel like there aren't that many caves are there? there's not i bet they're there's losing it caves. Loo- and they're using that real loosely i bet it's like some people who just like dug under some people's stairs or something and they're like, this is a cave <laughs> now it's a cave because i call it that uh yeah they just kitted it out with like you know their favorite sports team banner and yeah. stuff welcome to the cave half these are pillow forts yeah yeah exactly it also shows here that early man considered the floor to be lava. 
Um, by the way, we forgot, we, we forgot to say thank you to Liam Kennedy for sending in the tiny reptile story, oh, yeah. amongst others. I tiny reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that reptile. That thing is huge. <laughs> it's man. huge. That's, I'm just saying that's a big... <laughs> I've never used that much reptile, man. Oh, my God. If anybody hasn't seen that, I hope that's online somewhere. Nicholas Cage. Tiny Elvis is totally online. It has to be. The most, one of the most absurd SNL sketches. It should have been. Was it like a 1255 one? It seems like it would have been. Probably. It was just Nicholas Cage and bad, like, compositing. Look at that salt shaker, man. Look, it's huge. Green screening to make Nicholas Cage uh, an Elvis impersonator who's tiny and just points at how big things around him are. (laughs) And Rob Schneider is his sidekick who says... You said it, Baby King. That's right, Tiny E. <laughs> you demand Tiny E. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the correction, by the way. Last week, um, we were talk- talking about combination, uh, ex- uh, combination excretory and sexual organs. And we have a correction from Patreon patron Andy uh, Schenkel, who says it's pronounced cloaca. Thank you. Uh, I think... There was a big cloaca versus cloaca discussion. Mm. So thanks, Andy. And thank you for also being a Patreon patron. We do appreciate that. So the, the scientists found many examples of destruction or weakening of the skeleton based on an existing understanding that these signs are caused by diseases. And because of the periodic nature happening annually, but not constantly, they believe they can pinpoint these seasonal damages to a survival trade-off made by our ancestors. They chose to spend the worst part of the year trying to sleep through it inside of relatively safe caves and to do that they sacrifice nutrition and vitamin d from the sun so what does all this mean well the human metabolism is unusual on its own but it also fits into the bigger picture of how mammals and then humanoid mammals evolved to hibernate requires even another step beyond what we have not only to burn enough food fuel to keep our warm-blooded bodies working but to store up and safely expel enough to survive Understanding which species manage this feat could help archaeologists understand why Homo sapiens emerged as the ones who are still here. Hmm. So if you could go back in time and have hibernated this entire last year and have had none of the experiences you had in the last year, would you do 100%, 100%. it? 100%. You would have given up this whole last year? Yeah. What did I do? Read some book? Great. <laughs> like, that's all I've done. It's not, nothing about, like, um, you know, going through a, a difficult time making you stronger, you don't think? Nah. Okay, I'm I'm kind of with you, and I am on Jeopardy. I mean, so honestly, I, no. <laughs> yeah, we we do have. By the way, I don't know if this is for the show or whether it just wants an email back. But we do have a listener who wrote in asking for Jeopardy contestant advice. Oh, we did. Which makes me think that maybe one of our listeners is about to be on Jeopardy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have a, a college friend who's in the middle of the tryout process right now. Um, what would be your biggest top tips on how to prepare for Jeopardy? I would say Jeopardy? try to get as many right as you can. <laughs> That's my advice is don't say wrong answers. That's also true. What do you or think? Or wrong, qu- wrong questions. And yeah. uh, learn all the question words as well. Yeah. Like what is, who is, <laughs> who are. No, but seriously, what is your advice? Oh, I think I would say the same thing that other, that like Ken Jennings said, which is watch a lot of Jeopardy, which sounds stupid, but it's, I, or actually I would, I would better than that. Just go to the Jeopardy archive, which is a fan made site that has documented every game they've ever broadcast. So you can just read through entire games quickly uh, because, you know, they won't literally reuse the exact wording of a clue, but um, uh, like... But there are things that... There are right. Things, there the are the book that... Silent Spring by Rachel Carson has come up something like 20 times and it just did last week. Uh, so if you know that she wrote Silent Spring and it was an early book, it was important in like getting the environmental movement going. Stuff like... Yeah. So, But if you just watch a ton of the games, you'll 
first you'll get like the structure of a clue. So you'll quickly parse it and you'll throw away all the, you know, cause a lot of times a, cl- a clue will basically be like, you, you have to know what country Munich is in, but the clue will have all this superfluous stuff to make it an interesting read for the audience at home. Like, um, you know, Kaiser Wilhelm spent his youth in this country that is home to Munich or whatever. Not, not that it's just, you know, so it's parsing the shit to get to the actual meat of it quickly and just seeing a ton of clues to know the kinds of categories. And then, you know, if you have actual gaps in geography and stuff, you can look at kids online interactive things where you can name capitals and and countries and States and like get all that down, but mostly watch and read old Jeopardy games. And I don't know where Kaiser Wilhelm is from. It was, uh, I don't want to sound dumb, but, uh, is he the inventor of the Wilhelm scream? Probably. Yeah. Oh my God. TJ and I just, if I can plug this. And, and also Kaiser. <laughs> it's not, it's actually Sheb Woolley. I just was reading something about uh, country music and that he's, it's Sheb Woolley. The guy who did one, I had one horn flying purple people eater. That's the guy who did the Wilhelm scream. No, he was also, uh, wait, was he an actual actor or did he like do a, a he was d- an actor and a country singer. But in that case, was he on screen or did he do a VO thing for that sound for that scene? Um, well, hang on, what, what, what's the, what, what's the thing yeah. you're talking oh, about? Oh, like, sorry. I'm going to have to jump in on behalf of yes. people who have no, not a clue. So it's a famous... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I mean, I think it's... Uh, it was uh, in an early Western, there's a guy who's shot by an arrow, and he goes, ah! And somehow that that actual sound, that, that, that clip um, became a thing that people used in dozens, if not hundreds of movies, uh, maybe initially because it was copyright free and you just need a sound effect of someone screaming in agony. And then eventually it became like an Easter egg people put in movies because it's fun to like hear it in the mix. Like it's in star Wars. It's, it's, it's in, in yeah. you know, most Spielberg and Lucas movies. And, um, I just saw volcano cause TJ and I did a new episode of twinsies, which find it wherever you find podcasts. We finally did Dante's peak in volcano. And a really important scene in Dante's speak. It's not even that funny when a major character dies. Uh, <laughs> blatant, like Wilhelm scream, like not even covered <laughs> in lots of. Uh... But yeah, if you look up Wilhelm scream on YouTube, you'll find super cuts of all the move, all the scenes where. Yeah, it's in Indiana Jones. That. It's in like a bunch of famous stuff now. Because I think yeah, exactly. It became. I mean, later it was like a, an in joke to put it in. Me. But the actual original guy know, yeah. is is a country singer, or is the yeah Sheb Woolley. Sheb Woolley. Yeah. Is he also the inventor of the Sheb Woolley cars? <laughs> yes. Oh <my> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, we should we should wrap up the main episode in a second. But April, are you okay sticking around for one extra story for the Patreon patrons? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh. I just got to go get my uh, I got to get my charger okay. for my laptop. Okay. But yeah. But before before we do that, uh, April, yeah. where can our listeners find you when you're not looking at foxes in the Brighton area? Um, it's rare that I'm not doing that. But the only thing I do now is Martin and I do a podcast called Why Do I Like This? And it's where I uh, he is a music teacher by trade and a songwriting professor and is just a general nerd when it comes to all of that stuff just a music theory obsessive so he breaks down all of my favorite songs and tells me why i like them and it's a very fun podcast i highly especially yeah if you are a music fan or music theory nerd it's uh it's great yeah it's really fun and i pick like i mean all the shit i like is pretty we don't there's not really any like 
standard issue songs because I on purpose tried to pick weirder things. Uh, sometimes I try to stump him, but that has yet to really happen. But yeah, so we do that. And it's uh, why do I like this podcast dot com is where you can nice. find it. Yeah. Listeners, you you know where to find podcasts. You're fine. You found one right now. <laughs> you're currently listening to one through whatever it medium was, you're currently it was listening the friends, to. This. It was the friends who made along the way, it turns out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So so do that. You can uh, always find us at probablyscience.com, on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. Uh, probablyscience.com is also the link where you can find our Patreon and PayPal donation buttons. Thank you so much for all the people who help support this show and keep it going. And thank you for everyone who just spreads the word and tells people to find us. Uh, April, yes. thank you for thank you for joining us. Of course, us thank you for having me. And enjoy Brighton. Yeah. Say hi to the seagulls for me. Give them a giant middle finger just for you. (laughs) Listeners, see you next time. Bye. Bye.